there's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Kalshi. Maybe you thought uh, on the future of TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album win album of the year? Will Biden's approval rating go up? Will it go down? Or inflation? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. You're smart. You know things. Bet on it. $20 bonus if you go to Kalshi.com slash stereo. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. Kalshi.com slash stereo. Get in the game. There is no guarantee of performance. An investor could lose their entire investment. Investment fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at Kalshi.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brandon Bing and I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast is here. I am so excited for today's special guest, the UFC baddest motherfucker, the baddest motherfucking title holder, Jorge Mazdaval, a.k.a. Gamebred, a.k.a. Street Jesus, one of the most charismatic, interesting Fantastic, shit-talking, compelling personalities in all of UFC MMA history. I have been at his fights. I have watched him. He's great. He was discovered by the great Kimbo Slice, RIP. This is a fantastic, fantastic interview with the one, the only, Jorge Mazdaval. Coming up right now on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, Miles Jordan, a.k.a. the Bleach Brothers, a.k.a. the Dust Brothers. Start this puppy off with something real nice. Start this puppy off with something real loud. But most importantly, start this museum quality, hard-hitting I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast off with something real funky. Let's go. Mazdaval, game bred, street Jesus, fantastic fighter, fantastic career, fantastic shit talker. I know you'll be a fantastic promoter. Yes, sir. And I'm a big fan. <laughs> Thank you, my brother. I, I'm a big fan, a big fan of your fighting, big fan of your, your, your whole persona. Well, I guess when you're fighters, is it is it a persona? How much of fighting nowadays is persona versus... 
it, it's some yes, some no. I, I think in other things, um, like maybe WWF is more persona. I think in fighting, the the fighters amplify their persona. Like a lot of them are this way, and then they like amplify it for the camera. Some guys are complete fucking whack job or, or or skit that you could tell right off rip. But I think most guys, it's it's like a hiding self of, of themselves, you know? To promote yourselves. To promote themselves. And, and also, it's just like, you, you know, if me and you were going to have combat with each other, um, there's like adrenaline pumping through me and you as we're looking right here at each other. I'm sizing you up. So I'm looking at your wrists, at your hands, all this stuff. I'm like, all right, how you, do they look? Thinking, you know? I mean, when you look at... when now They look we're... nice, which is not a good compliment for fighting, man. <laughs> they don't look like fighter hands, you know? No, they're not fighter yeah, hands. They're not yeah, fighter yeah, hands. Yeah. Civilian-looking hands. You know, Civilian like, looking not, they don't hands. have all these cuts and no. bruises and, and mutations on them. So they look, you know, in that, you get a little crazy, right? So if we're, like, standing next to each other, it might be more more than you usually might be on a regular day. But that's because we're going to have combat with each other. And on top of that, it only sells. So I, I think the, the characters get amplified. But a lot of these guys are really like that in real life, you know? Who is uh, whacked out of their tree in UFC? Like, who are the guys where you're like... This guy is like, you know, like I'm concerned about him outside of fighting. Like who, who who's like there's, sort of on the edge or retired guys that are on the edge at no, this point? There's, there, there's a bunch of them. I just, I can't be a state uh, informant and, t and say the names, but there's a, there's a bunch of dudes out there that are rowdy, man. A lot of people think I'm rowdy. There's a lot of guys behind closed doors are like pretty damn rowdy. Um, Tony Ferguson, I, I'll say a quick Tony story because I, I love the guy. He just fought, man. Uh, he's a great fighter. Me, him, and Dominic Cruz, uh, 135 Bantamweight champion, we were all hanging out one day, and uh, Tony was, it was after one of his fights, he had won, and we were hanging out in a hotel, like, rooftop, and Tony started, like, place barring with me, and I was like, oh, just, like, I don't really want to do this, you know? Um, everybody's been drinking, smoking, like, I, this is not something that I, I want to do because it could escalate quick, so I was kind of like, oh, yeah, and he threw a couple punches and kicks, and he wanted to keep escalating, I was like, no, no, that, that's cool, you know, and I, like, sat out. And Tony was still hype, you know? And um, he was uh, doing the same thing with Dominic, and they were starting to escalate more and more and more. And then at some point, Tony grabs like a cushion of a seat, and he tells Dominic, hey, give me a, give me a leg kick. You know, no, he told me to give him a leg kick first. Let me, let, me, let me feel one real quick. And then I hit him with the cushion. Then he took the cushion off. He said, like, kick me again. And I kicked him again, but not like hard. He's like, no, nah, come on, kick me for real. And I was like, no, nah, that's, that's okay. He's like, come on, man. I just, I just want to feel a little pain. And I was like, no, nah, that's okay. That's cool. And I sat down. So he looks at Dominic Cruz and Dominic, he tells Dominic Cruz, hey, come kick my leg. Dominic gets up and fucking mutilates it. Hits him with like three of them as hard as he fucking could. Bah, 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 bah. Tony looked at him. He's like, "Oh, those are pretty good, bro." It, like, <laughs> he there, there's some people out there that's just built different. This is like 12 o'clock at night too. Like, what do you? Why, after why, a fight. After a fight. He's like, why are you worried about low kicks and this and that? Like, he's different, man. He's a different dude. If you were Ferguson's trainer, you're a fr you're friendly mm -hmm. with him. I don't mm -hmm. know how friendly. What would you say to do uh, with his career now? Because he had, I believe, it was 12 straight mm -hmm. wins, mm -hmm. and now it's six losses, and the losses yeah. are getting worse. Um. I mean, it, it just happens to all of us. It's easier for me to say now than it would have when I was competing. But now that I'm I'm retired, I, I could look at him and be like, man, you, you're not the same guy that you once were. There's a lot of guys beating you that never would have beat you, never would have held even your jog strap in your prime. Maybe that, that time has come, man. And there's some fighters that they can't ever let go of the sport. They, they just have to compete. It's in them. I just wouldn't want to see Tony get hurt, man, because I'm a huge fan of this guy, big supporter of this guy. And um, 
Though he had moments in his fight, he dropped green mm -hmm. and stuff, and then he got he had the eye poke. I just I I don't see him how he used to be. So I I don't want to see guys beating him that could have never beaten him in his prime. For you, you're out now, but you sort of seem like you're still circling. Possibly, you did a fantastic tweet. Maybe that's why you were late. Maybe it took you a long time to tweet that. You did a good tweet. I think it was you're saying, saying I got CTE, man. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Um, but you did a tweet to Connor. Mm -hmm. I think that was today? Yeah, that was today. That was today. Um, what would get you back into fighting now? I, it's not necessarily even that Connor would get me back in the fight. It would, uh, it would just have to be something a lot crazier than I've ever seen in the past on, on the money side, you know, and because I'm, I'm, I'm doing well now and I just don't feel that I have my same reflexes, uh, the same endurance in some of the departments. So why put a lesser version of myself out there unless the reward is so great then yeah, you know, because I, um, all the way up to like 35, my reflexes in the gym remained the same when I was like 19 all the way to 35, maybe a small that I couldn't barely feel it dip, but it was nothing really. But from 35 to 38 is when I started feeling it in the gym. Like, I'm getting hit a lot more with things I'm not seeing. You know, you notice yeah, this. Yeah, me notice this. Um, like, just like moving out of the way or rolling or like, like explain like combo, me the minutiae of it. So we're here, right? And as we get closer and closer to each other, you have less time to process whatever data you're giving me, right? So th those things... I'd be like very close and I could see everything coming. Now it's like I, I don't see everything coming in the same speed I used to, you know, because there's a lot of the processes. Your shoulders are moving as you're moving your head. I, I know what's coming, what's not. And that's kind of slowed up on me. Um, Ever since I hit, what, like 35, 36, 37, I started feeling like it, it's not the same. So that's why I'm not... I'm not competing anymore because I know that that part of me is is not the same. There's some guys that are just fighters that are going to keep fighting through no matter what injuries or, or anything they have. I don't want to be that guy. And so and if I was to step in the ring again, it'd be like it'd be like a huge fucking paycheck, bro. Right. Something that I could not say no to. And if you're fighting somebody and you know it's a huge paycheck, are you able to compartmentalize the danger or the reality that you're reflexes have changed a little bit like i know you, you're not there right now you're retired but if that came up like how do you compartmentalize like i'm putting myself more at risk i'm not the same fighter or like you just got it going switch it up you gotta just if you're gonna fight you gotta switch it up so if i've you're always you're like yeah, your, your, I, your I mode have, there's a really real estate that I shouldn't be involved in, and there's real estate I should be involved in you know like the distance where we're fighting maybe i'm grappling more maybe maybe um I'm striking from the clinch more, things like that. You could always adapt in fighting. But for me personally, the paycheck is the only thing that would make me adapt, you know? We talked about the Errol Spence-Crawford uh, fight. What was your Whoa. impression of that? I love uh, Crawford. Um, I think this guy's a beast. I discovered Crawford because I, I was a huge following of Yurokis uh, Gamboa, Cuban gold medalist from from Cuba, Olympic gold medalist. Um, a destruction path. I mean, he he was mopping up everybody he came across. Then he was fighting Terrence. Obviously, I was going for Gamboa. Um, and when Terrence beat him, I was like, who the fuck is this? So since that fight, I've followed all of Terrence's fights till now. Um, I was leaning towards Terrence, but I thought Spence was going to be the toughest test of his career, given the weight, the speed, the defense. And Spence is no slouch, man. This guy is, like, fucking good in every department. He could throw every punch in the book. He sees everything coming. I, I just thought this was going to be a tough fight, way more competitive. Terrence is from another planet, man. He reminds me of the guys from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Like, this guy's mean, athletic, 
and is not scared and he's willing to put it on the line. You know, from 140 to jump all the way to 147 to fight the best guy in the world undisputedly, it shows a line that here he even wants to go to 154 now. So sky's the limit for this guy, man. If you're um, Errol, would you, I mean, obviously when you lose, you want a rematch. Yeah. Would you, being a promoter, obviously it's going to make money, but do you think that Errol could beat Bud Crawford based on what you saw the other day? Based on what I saw the other day, no. He's just I would better say than no, nobody's better than Crawford. But I, I don't also know the intricacy of it. Maybe he had a bad wake up. I don't know. I'm not trying to make it no, for, for Earl, but I, I just don't know all the details. So maybe there is some factors that could give a better outcome. But the, from what I, I saw as a fan, I would say Terrence wins. Now, as a promoter, yeah, I'd promote the crap out of that second fight. But as, a, as like a coach for Spence, right. I'd wait because when you lose, and especially your first loss is like like that devastating, you got to give the guy time to race. You don't want to throw him back in there two, three months later. His no. brain hasn't even healed, you know? His his chin isn't the same because of this. And then on top of everything is the confidence. So from a coaching standpoint, you know, they'd, they'd probably, the best thing would be set him out for some time, you know, six months minimum. Uh -huh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Explain to me, what, what was your prime weight? Like, what was your most comfortable weight to fight at? So I'm... I'm MMA, we don't have as many weight classes as boxing, so I used to compete at 155 pounds. And I started there from 18 all the way to, like, I want to say 29 years old. Towards the later end of my career, it, it, it was very hard because I, uh, since around, like, 25 years old, I'd walk around 180 pounds, so 184, and then cut down to 155. But when you're younger, losing the water is easy, and when you put it back, you're not 100%, but you're close to it. So in the beginning part of my career, it wasn't it wasn't the craziest. After like 24, 25 years old, when I put on more size, 155 pounds was very, very demanding. So the easiest weight cuts for me have been at uh, at 170 pounds. That's where you like, probably most comfortable. Yeah, so um, by the time I started training, if I train five, six weeks, my weight comes down to about 184 to 182 pounds. Then the fight week... I'll be walking in there like 179, 178, something like this. Um, maybe as heavy as I'll get is like 180. And, mm -hmm. and this is nothing, you know. I'll just I'll cut that weight quick, make 170 pounds in, in like two sessions of working out, you know. At 155, um, I'd die down from like 180 all the way down to like 172. And from 172, Jeez. lose all the water to get to 155 pounds. So when you guys talk about cutting the water weight and all that stuff, and you're training... And I imagine, and I want to ask you, like, when you're at your best, when you're at your most fit, when you're at your most focused, what a day is like. But when you're working out and expending so much energy, training, sparring, running, doing whatever the it is you guys do, and you're, you know, not giving yourself that amount of food, because naturally after you work out, people want to eat. Yeah. Is that the when, they, when fighters talk about the sacrifice? I heard Mike Tyson talk about something. He said, you know... When he was training, he was always in a bad mood, and it was because of this, that. But it was also like, you know, we're starving ourselves. And I've went on diets. You see, I look great. Yeah. I look fantastic. Yes, I look awesome. But, you know, like when you're not, when you're depriving yourself of food, you know, you could be ornery, you know, like if you're not giving, or even if you're like, I'm not drinking coffee or whatever. So is that one of the things when you guys talk about the sacrifices? Because that's always a word fighters talk about is sacrifice. Obviously, it's oh, sacrifice family all and all long. that stuff. But talk about the, like that. I know I asked a few the, different things. The calorie intake Every fight is obviously different, but it's also in what stage of the fight you're at. So if you're like two weeks away, if you're a month away, if you're a day away, it's, it's very different. So uh, I'll, I'll give you like a rundown when I'm cutting water. If um if I was going to compete on Saturday, 
Friday would be the weigh-ins at like 9 a.m., right? So I'd train, you know, I'd get into wherever, let's say the fight was in Las Vegas. I'd get in there either the Friday before or that weekend before, and I'd go about my days regular. I'd maybe have one meal a day, mm. um, which would be kind of decent-sized meal, you know, uh, maybe depending on my weight, some rice and salmon with a lot of vegetables, and then just snacks throughout the day. And I'll have one to two workouts a day. And um, I won't be cutting off the water. I'll be drinking as much water at this point. So Monday, Tuesday, and up to Wednesday, I'm drinking as much as I can. I'm trying to get gallons in my system. And I'll have a minimum of one gallon a day without even blinking. But if I could get to two, even better. Because it, I'm gonna, it's going to come back to me. Um, I'm not eating anything with salt or trying to have as little sodium as possible. And um, right around Thursday afternoon, 5, 6 p.m. is when I'll start the weight cut. You know, this is at 170 pounds. At 155, was a little bit different for me. And let's say I'll lose anywhere from like six to eight pounds. I'll get on the scale. I'll see where I'm at. I'll drink some water. I'll go to sleep because I don't want to go to sleep dehydrated. So maybe I'll drink like a pound, a pound and a half of water. I'll wake up Friday morning. The wanes are at 9 a.m. We'll wake up like at 6 a.m. And maybe I'll have like three pounds left to go, which I usually get in the sauna. Or put the sauna suit on and just, you know, do jump rope until I sweat the water off. I'll get on the scale immediately. So as soon as I made the weight, let's say I made the weight at like 8.15 in the morning. Now I'll just wait for the official weigh-ins, right. get on the scale, and then rehydrate. And more or less that was my my process uh, for most of my career. And when you're rehydrating the day before a fight, because it's obviously not like, oh, we're going to go get fucking ice cream and cheeseburgers. Like, what are you eating like that, you know, 24, 36 hours before the fight? Carbs and protein, you know, and, and the cleaner the source, the better. I haven't always followed those instructions. We want to have like a good piece of salmon, um, maybe stay away from red meat because it just takes a little bit more to, to process. You know, you eat a big steak, you kind of want to go to sleep and your right. body's just been through so much already. So anything that's like the cleanest source, you know, if I'm going to have carbs, maybe I have like sweet potato or like brown rice, something like that. You know, just things that will be light on my stomach and give me the fuel that I need for the next day. And then before I compete, me personally, I fast. I, I don't want to eat. I don't the day wanna, of the day of you know so I'll have a um I'll wake up in the morning I'll have a little stretch a workout get a good thirty minutes of working out and then I'll have like a good sized breakfast pancakes whatever whatever I feel like eating especially if it's carb filled and then after that that's it I will not eat again till till after the fight you know and when you fought during the pandemic it was Usman right you're right and where was that fight Abu Dhabi. Jesus Christ. And how much weight, what was the breakdown of the amount of weight you lost to the fight? Um, so Usman was scheduled to fight Gilbert Burns. Right. Gilbert Burns gets corona. And they notify me within six days, hey, can you come to Abu Dhabi and fight this guy for the And you're World doing what with your life at that point? I'm smoking weed, watching fucking the craziest shit. This is corona pandemic. The whole world's going crazy. I'm just stuck in my house. Like, what's what's happening? What Can we go out tomorrow? I, it's crazy. It's like fucking the twilight zone, you know, um, gyms are closed left and right. So a lot of my working out is just like running, you know, and things like that. And, um, they, they give me the call. I was like, fuck yeah, let's go. And you do what? Like how much weight did you have to cut? I cut from when they gave me the, the phone call to the fight, 20 pounds. God. So you're just like on, you're like on shutdown. As soon as they gave me the maybe, because we had to negotiate the numbers, right? I'm like, if you guys make the numbers right, and I had the UFC. This is one of the very first times in, in rare in history that somebody had the UFC by the balls like mm -hmm. that because it's six days before their main event, and this is huge. This is UFC fight out, and they've been talking about this forever. So I had a lot of negotiation power. The UFC worked with me. We were able to come to those numbers, and uh, I took off. I am Rappaport Podcast.
There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Kalshi. Maybe you thought uh, on the future of TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album win album of the year? Will Biden's approval rating go up? Will it go down? Or inflation? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. You're smart. You know things. Bet on it. $20 bonus if you go to Kalshi.com slash stereo. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. Kalshi.com slash stereo. Get in the game. There is no guarantee of performance. An investor could lose their entire investment. Investment fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at Kalshi.com. Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports betting should be a team sport. CaptainPicks.com has got you covered. Sports betting picks got you covered. VIP one-on-one coaching for beginners. Me and my team of professional handicappers, a.k.a. the captains, are here to help you dominate the football season. Your fantasy leagues win the draft. Your sportsbook accounts break your bookies bank. Captain Picks is legit, it's fun, and I love being able to watch games and communicate in the Discord community at the same time. If you sign up right now for single sport football at $50 per week, you'll get picks for both NCAA, NFL, and year-long fantasy football knowledge. Are you into baseball? Playoffs are around the corner. UFC, MLS, and more. The captains have got you covered. And you can add another single sport for 50 bucks. Just go to CaptainPicks.com now. I'll wait. 
CaptainPicks.com is the place to go if you want to win, if you want to bust your bookie's bank. Maybe you're someone like me who wants to see all the plays, then sign up for daily, weekly, monthly, one-time or recurring subscriptions with the promo code Rappaport, R-A-P-A-P-O-R-T for 20% off. Come and join me and my crew at CaptainPicks.com for single sport at 50 bucks per week or VIP all access. Sports betting should be a team sport. CaptainPicks.com has got you covered. Let's fucking go. Now that you are promoting and you are running the, I want to get it correctly, Game Bread Bare Knuckle. Yes, sir. You came from nothing. I know your story. You came out fighting dudes in the backyard. You made it to the top of the top. You've had a a, a great career. You've won. You've lost. But you've, you're a star. If But you're also, you're never going to have, you're never not going to forget, I think, I hope, that kid who wanted to make some money. Yeah. You're you're always gonna have the fight the, the point of view of a fighter. So oh. so what would you do now that you're a promoter that you're calling the shots for the most part? I know there's probably people to protect fighters and how do you not become the asshole who's fucking over the fighters? How do you avoid that? But also it's a business. This is a great question. You know the UFC um to a lot of people seems like man they're kind of harsh in these paychecks, but. At the end of the day, I don't take it personal because it's a business. And it's the same thing. We got to run a business, but as much money and as much sponsorships and as much eyeballs as I could get on these fighters. So with the bare knuckle, if you see the, what we pay these guys out, it's considerably more than what guys paid on the same level with gloves on. You know, we do that for a reason. So these fighters are taken care of. And um, one thing that we definitely want to do is just keep bringing in sponsors for fighters as well. Let them eat off that, you know. The paychecks are, will always grow as the sport grows mm -hmm. but one thing that we could definitely offer the fighters coming into organizations especially the the bigger name ones is the sponsorships and then eventually we'll get we'll be able to get everybody the the mid-entry guys to the young guys but something i definitely want to do is is keep these guys active as well you know well, That's, why well, as a fighter um especially me i always wanted to stay active and it wasn't that easy i fought all over the world i got 52 pro fights and I would take fights in two weeks notice, seven days notice, all types of notice. That's when the UFC gave me that opportunity. I was like, I, I could do this. I got into the UFC by taking short notice fights. I could go for it. So it's something that I did throughout my career. I want to be able to tell guys, hey, you have three months to prepare. You're going to fight in March. You're going to fight in July. And you're going to fight in September. And I think that's something that gives so much security to me as an athlete, especially, you know, not knowing that I have this program, like, all right, I'll have a week in between these things to like do my own thing and then get right back to camp because these are my days. And I think for fighters, they usually love that type of stuff. The card that's coming up, I want to do that and then go back in your in your life and your world. September eighth, break down uh, what's going to be on that card and who's going to be on that that card on the eighth. This is our biggest card to date. Um, we have Fabricio Redoum, UFC ex heavyweight champion versus Junior Dos Santos, another ex-UFC heavyweight champion. Uh, by coincidence, I happened to train with JDS for the last seven years. We're both at American Top Team. He's a teammate of mine. And Fabricio, I've been watching him his whole career of MMA, so I'm I'm very in awe and in shock that we were able to pull this fight off. Bare knuckle. Bare knuckle, no gloves. Tape? Yeah, they'll have tapes on the on the hands and wrists. It won't go on the knuckle, but they'll have their hand protected so that they don't get these like, a little, little support. Injuries. Yeah, they'll have the. It'll be a good amount of support on the wrist and the actual hand. It's just here. There's no padding, no tape, no nothing. Shit, and it's who else? missiles. It's you're you're launching missiles at guys when you do that. And now, um, 
one thing that we've noticed from putting on all these shows is that the submissions also go through the roof. It's not just the knockouts or cuts, but now you don't have tape, hand wrap, tape, hand wrap, and then a glove. No, it's just like bare knuckles. So now you don't have this extra three inches on top of your hand. So it's easier to get into certain spots to maneuver certain grips. So the finishing rate goes up through the roof as well in the submissions. So it's just more action. The guys hit the floor and instead of hugging so much, uh, they're trying to choke the piss out of each other because they know they could get to these positions easier now. Why would anybody want to professionally fight bare knuckle? It seems so fucking crazy. It's, it's crazy. It, but you ask the same thing a hundred years ago. Why would anybody want to box? Seems fucking crazier. And then Muay Thai and then all this, you know. So it's just to the fighters. Some of them really like the realism of it. Like this is the closest it gets to a fight. And that's what draws them. Like I want to be the best fighter in the world, you know. Uh, some people see exposure because you get a lot of exposure fighting bare knuckle. Even if it's somebody we've never heard of, it's on YouTube and two fight people are fighting bare knuckle and they're professionals. You're just going to stop and watch because it's, it's what? Two pros are taking the gloves off. Let me see this, you know? So they know they get a lot of exposure. Um, me personally, I did it in, in Kimball Slice's backyards, but that's when Kimball was like a, a mega star. He was a rock star. He was getting 30 million views a, a hit, you know? And he asked me, he goes, hey, you want to fight in my backyard? I was like, are fucking kidding me of course you know i was fucking nobody knew me like no my the the five people that knew me were my family members who lived in my house nobody fucking knew me and this guy asked me to come fight in this platform millions of people know me after that i have i have the fight and it goes i remember like within two weeks it was like at three hundred thousand views and then within a month i was like at a million views already i was like what and this is 20 something years ago on youtube it's the craziest shit right. ever and that exposure is still out there for these guys in social media now more than ever so that's another big reason why, why the bare knuckles you know how did kimbo find you we were um so, so I was fighting around Miami already, and, and in the backyards. Yeah, not not in his backyard, just in different parts of Miami. Wherever I get offered to compete, I already knew who came. For money, was. though. For money, for everything, but it, it wasn't like real money. It was like, you know, you're my boy, and these guys here, and everybody came over like thirty dollars, and we're betting the other guy over here two hundred dollars, and you know, petty stuff like that, you know. Um, and like that, I kept training, competing, going to gyms. Kimball was coincidentally at the same gym that I was at, and they had seen me working out. They thought I had a lot of problems, so they spoke to uh, one of the guys that was handling the gym. He's like, hey, we'd like to have him on. They asked me, hey, would you like to fight? I said, hell yeah, bro. It'd be a fucking, oh, this guy's getting 30 million views and he wants me to fight? This is fucking nuts. Um, so back then, it was very legal, very on the hush. You couldn't tell nobody. You couldn't do anything about it. If you posted about it, it was going to get shut down. The cops would always show up. So they tell me, we're going to run it in about six months' time. You think you'll be good then? I was like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to have the next one like in six months. We're going to keep posting. Time went by. They didn't call nothing, nothing. I'm like, ah, they probably just bullshitting me, right? Um, I get a call, random call. Hey, you think you'll be ready like by next month? Two weeks from now? I was like, fuck yeah. Okay. You don't We're know who you're you. fighting? Give don't a fuck know, who you're fighting? Don't know who I'm fighting. You don't know it's going to be someone in your size range? Someone in my size range. And I, uh, and I don't know where the fight's going to take place and the rule setting either, you know? So... I get a call again, maybe after those two weeks, they're like, hey, it's going down this week. We're going to call you on Wednesday with the location, you know, and just be ready. So Wednesday came or whatever day it was, and uh, I had completely forgot. I was at the drive-thru at McDonald's about to eat. And they called me like, hey, we're ready. We're going to send you the location. Are you ready to go? I was like, hell yeah. Canceled the order. <laughs> went straight over there. Um, called up a couple friends just in case I needed backup. 
we get over there. Because you don't know what the fuck is yeah, going on. Yeah, you don't know what the fuck's going on over there. That's why the UFC is such a complete, like, peaceful setting as, as opposed to a backyard where guys have guns, knives. So we get there, and they, they tell me, Kimball's going to fight first, so you're going to get to see him fight. And I was like, hell yeah, he wants to see your fight. They tell me he wants to see your fight, so he's going to fight first. So Kimball, I'm, like, warming up. Kimball literally pulls up in a black escalate. The door opens. More smoke comes out than you ever seen in your fucking life. Kimball comes out with his chain. He looks at Icy Mike, his manager, good, good friend of mine, puts a chain on him and uh, says something like, let's get it or give me my bread and goes in there and fights. No warm-up, nothing, knocks the guy out and then calls me to fight next. And it was, it was fucking amazing. And that video ended up doing that I did. It got like 15, 16 million views in total like nowadays. But back then it was like... right. And two months time, it was like at a million. It was crazy for me, you know? And, and that exposure, I always said, this is crazy because this is from the bare knuckle. So now when we do it, we see we're doing the same thing for the guys. And it's, it's the best feeling, man. It's like a, a full 360. At that point in your life, what did you want to do? You, how old were you? Uh, about to be 18. So what were you thinking your life was going to be? Fighting. Boxing? No, no, MMA. I, I knew that this was just a step in the, in the right direction. I always knew I wanted to do MMA since... Since 12, 13 years old, my mind was made like, this is all I'm going to do. I and just, because of what you're like, what are you watching at that point? Like that's getting you on, into it. Only and nothing but MMA and boxing. So I discovered boxing around seven, eight, and I was uh, diagnosed with all types of ADHD and ADD, crazy amount of energy. My dad could never get me to sit still unless it was like a Kung Fu marathon that he used to play like on Saturdays. And he noticed this is the only thing that calms this guy that grew into like boxing and mixed martial arts. But. Since since a young kid, I didn't even understand what football was or basketball. I, I was looking at it, trying to figure it out. Like, I, I don't know what's happening. But as soon as I saw fighting, I was already hooked, you know? And you mentioned Kimbo was smoking weed. You said you were smoking weed. No, back then, no. I didn't start smoking until, like, later, later on in life. Like, 27, 28. After you were Jorge Masvidal, the, the fighter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, how, so, uh, the contradiction between being hood, we all know... Food in the hood, you know, we're talking about like, you know, from the Chinese food spot to pizza to tacos and all that shit. The contradiction of being a fighter, which takes discipline and smoking weed and being in the hood is so fascinating to me because you're talking about you're smoking weed. The weed doesn't mess your stamina up. I think the way you ingest the, the THC, you know, like depending on the type of paper, I think matters a lot what's going into your lungs. But I'll put it like this. Like if I go out on... Saturday night, Sunday night, and I fucking drink alcohol, I am no good on Monday. It just, I'm not worth anything. I could smoke all I want Sunday, going to practice Monday, and kick everybody's ass. It doesn't mess with your... It Maybe I've grown a tolerance to it, or I don't know, but it doesn't necessarily, especially if you're doing it clean. If you're, like, smoking off a bong or a vaporizer or something like that, I don't think it really affects your lungs. If you're putting in a lot of tobacco, that's a different story. Okay, because I... I it's we have a different I definitely feel messes with your reflexes slightly so it's not Reed. like something you want to do on with your reaction time you know uh -huh. like that whoop, pause you know like oh I didn't see that you know so I definitely wouldn't recommend people to be smoking maybe before they they have a pro bow but if you're just training it doesn't really throw you off too much Kimbo you said you know kind of gave you your, your shot and all that stuff Talk about uh, what he meant to you. You're so sad, you know, his passing because I feel like, you know, he passed before social media. I mean, social media is growing. Like, he would have continued to because yeah. he had a, a, such a, a presence and legacy. And, you know, I was always tripped out by him because when he'd be fighting you like this, and then when you hear him talking, it's like, is this the same person? Like, his 
on and off switch were like two different people. But talk about your your memories of, of Kimbo. I, me personally, it's just a humble ass dude, you know. Um, one I always say that in every interview is because it, it kind of showed me also how you're supposed to be, how how a man in the sport is supposed to carry himself. We went out to have lunch, uh, random restaurant, and everybody's staring. Like like I'm telling you, if Michael Jackson was getting a million views per episode. Kimbo's getting like 30 million per fight. It was the fucking crazy shit. We walk in the restaurant, everybody's just staring at him. But he's this big fucking mean looking gorilla that nobody wants to like make eye contact. You're sure it's like, is that Kimbo? And you can see everybody's like that. And then one guy with enough courage finally goes, hey, can I get a picture? And Kimbo's like, hell yeah, come on. That set off the whole restaurant. Maybe he spent like an hour doing pictures after that. And guess what? He did it with a smile on his face, shook everybody's hand, gave everybody like a minute or two of his time and had like as much as you could of a genuine conversation for those two minutes with everybody in there that asked a picture. And that wasn't at just that place. That was everywhere he went. Um, it is menacing and he's looked and, and as a force as he looked, treated everybody with respect. The janitor in the building, that didn't matter who it was, you talked to him and he talked to you right back like a human being, you know? So I was always something that, that I loved about him because uh, like we see it all the time, like fighters abusing of their power and shit and I don't like that, you know? They just get crazy. They, they you know, or just think that somebody's, uh, you know, like I'm sure you, because you've been around your whole life, like celebrities treating like the help like shit or something like that. Things that I don't really like, you know, and Kimball was never like that either, you know? So something that I loved a lot, you know? That he was, also he comes from a very humble place. That's why he always stayed humble, right. I think, you know? Right, I mean, I just think he, his success with, and his his persona and the podcast and the murder, he just would have continued oh, to yeah. thrive. I Almost, I think, more after he would have stopped fighting. Yeah. Because it would have just been like, almost how, how Tyson, you just get yeah, more beloved. yeah, yeah. yeah. Saturday night was uh, the, the fights. Poirier, is it true you bet a hundred thousand yeah. dollars? Break this down to me. Uh, well, I know that sucks to even have to say. It. I, I I felt the pain from you saying yes. So um, I've been friends with DP for like ten years. You know, teammates. I he got to American Top Team, and uh, we were kind of like we, we already knew who he was. We had high prospects from back back then, and I got to know him more and more. And I was like, but. This guy's a dog. This guy's amazing, you know? And and through those 10 years, we've beaten the crap out of each other, left and right, getting each other ready for our biggest moments. So his first fight in Connor, he, he lost that one, which I betted on. And the second fight, I got paid because nobody thought he was going to win. So I bet on that one big, and I also bet it like on the third one. So I've, I'm kind of always betting on Dustin, you know? This one, I put a lot of money up, and he was the favorite, so... Kind of, even if I would have won, you know, you don't make as much as you put in. But there's other times that I, I'm not mad, bro. I'm not mad that I lost money, you know. It, it just sucks. I'm mad that my boy didn't win the fight. That That's what really hurts. $100,000, money comes and goes. And um, shout out to mybookie.ag because nobody wanted to take the fight. I called like four fucking people. No, nobody wanted to take the bet, you know. And it was a little bit sporadic. I was like, I got a little bit of money. I feel safe about this fight. I've been watching my boy in training camp. I've been talking to the coaches. Everybody says he's in peak performance. I went out there and put it, and it didn't go my way. But it's a fight game, man. That first one, it looked like he was going to take it home. Then all of a sudden, it's over. How, how surprising. I was surprised. I mean, but this this has become this trend, these kicks to the fucking head. The kicks don't forgive, man. There's no padding on the shin bone. This is the strongest part of your body. It's the heaviest part of your body. So you'd be surprised. Sometimes the kick is not even that hard. But it's got so much mass behind it, it just wrecks people, man. There, there's no coming back from a kick usually, you know, a proper kick, you know? Because it also, it seems like it, what it did with him was it, it's almost like, I guess there's, what is there something here, an artery? It could cut, cut you off? I could, I mean, what, what, what do you want to do? What, what, what do you want to do? 
<laughs> I see you making moves. I, or I see when, him. When you get hit in the neck, it's also like a delayed effect. That's what I'm too. saying. It looked like that. Yeah, it's like you get hit and then a second later you collapse. You know, all the vibration ends up going to the head, but till it gets there, that's where we see like that delay. You know, so you get hit here and then it travels up, and like. Man, it's just bad, you know. I'm glad that I, I hung out with DP some considerable time after the fight, and he was fine. He he wasn't slurring his words or anything. He was no concussion, I think. From no, definitely no concussion from what the doctor said. So I was just happy that he didn't get hurt. And I feel like if they fought again, it could be the complete opposite. I agree. Result, you know, these are two of the finest dogs in the sport. These guys go for the kill every time. That's why this fight was so intriguing, you know. When you say we beat each other ass in practice, you know, when you're training partners. What do you mean? Like, are you guys, like, are you, I guess there's no way to avoid, it's not basketball where, like, I'm going to bust your ass and I, you know, I shut yeah, you out. and you don't hurt him, but you bust your ass. Yeah, I In mean. In fighting, though, we're going to, you, you're going to hurt e e each other to an extent. Like, okay, I'll give you point example, like, me and DP, because we're both kind of, like, very much a similar type of athlete in the gym. Like, if you're going controlled, we're, we can go hard and go controlled. Or we could go fight speed. Like me and Dustin, we're very known for for doing that at the gym. Like if you're throwing like it's a fight, I'm throwing like it's a fight too. And are you. you guys talking about that beforehand, or is it kind of no, you feel no, it it's out? It's always like the coaches. The coaches don't want you going 100, percent right? So the coach is gonna have you work out with him and him today and me and and. Because him, I'd like to fuck him up. This one, that yeah, one right taking, there. We're taking him to the gym. Yeah, him. I got a gym nearby. <laughs> I mean, particularly like I mean, I'd like to you know. Which one's the bodyguard? Is it him? He's the bodyguard. That's my muscle. That's your muscle. Yeah, and if you, that's the one that I saw in the video. That's the bodyguard. That's my muscle right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, You got to train him. You got to train him. Yeah. But so go ahead. Break um, that down to me. So, you you know, you're going to get, let's say you're going to do, you're going to get ready for a five-round fight. So you're going to do two rounds with him. You're going to do two rounds with him, two rounds with me. You're going to do six rounds total, right, to get you ready for this. So it's it's not that the coaches want him to go 100%. Then you're going to get another fresh guy and they want him to go 100% with the strikes and possibly hurt you. With the grappling and wrestling, it's a little different because you don't get hurt. If somebody, like, grabs right, you your just arm, tap, you, you know, you tap. In the striking, if I hit you hard, you might get hurt, you know. So it, it's not always advised to go 100 and 100. But it does happen in the practice because, uh, you know, we're both pros and, like, you, you let off a shot that was rather hard and it's like, okay, I'll give you that one. You know, then we keep going and I'm getting the better of you and then you throw another shot full blast. Okay, that's that's number two. You know, some guys right then and there turn it into a fight. Some guys might give you a break and be like, all right, you know, if you throw another one like that, it's on. We're going to have to go to war. And that's the type of guy like like Dustin is like, Dustin's actually, you throw one hard at him, he's going to come take your head off. He's just a, known for being a mean guy in practice. But um, we get in practice, just beat the crap out of each other, but a, a good way though, you know, because he would never, he'd have chances to like land a very devastating blow to my head. He wouldn't throw it to my head full blast, not to the body, he's not. Um, taking it easy and neither am I because it, it, we're helping each other build conditioning so it might seem like we're trying to hurt each other but you know what you're doing yeah it. yeah you know and, and it's pulling it some it's yeah, like 90 exactly like if I hit him in the head I don't want to do it over like a 70 80 percent you know because I, I want to take care of him and I want to learn I also want to beat him up because I have to score as much as I can to to get better so there's that fine line you know who who else did you uh have as training partners there's guys that you trained with um what's his name the fucking um the one you fought, the fucking MAGA fuck. Um, oh, uh, Kobe. Yeah, that you, little pussy. Now, your relationship, you guys were friends? We were friends, man. Roommates. Uh, room, he, he was, not roommates. He was living in my apartment. Staying in your crib, on your yeah, couch. Yeah, he had just uh, left the college circuit, you know, and I was already an established pro. I had like 15 to 18 fights, and uh, he broke his hand. His fucking girlfriend dumped him. He was out living in the streets, and we were in the same, like, 
program, you know, we're training all day long at the gym. This and I'm like, man, I got an extra couch. You could stay there until you figure this shit out, you know? And then when it came time to fight each other, instead of like, we don't, we don't have to go towards like talking about each other's wives or kids or I religion agree. or things like that. Because not only do we have a background, but you just don't have to. Like me and you are going to fight already. I, I don't believe in selling a fight. I have to talk about your wife or kids. It's, I can talk about you, be like your technique sucks. You ain't this, that. But he, he took it to another line just to sell pay-per-views. So that let me know the type of person that he is, you know? How frustrating, because I know you wanted that fight. Like there's some fights where, you know, it's easy work. The Ben Askren, you know, you know, you might not even have time to, you know, have, um, you know, I don't know what your feelings were with the time you fought Usman in Abu Dhabi, but how frustrating was that to lose that fight? Because I wanted you to kick his yeah, fucking no, ass. I wanted to kick his fucking teeth in too. Um, de definitely frustrating, man. I had uh, it, it's just the, the fight game, you know. Um, maybe like a month before. I had gotten a flu so bad that I thought I had corona for the first time in my life. So I went and got tested and everything. I did all the tests and no, I didn't have corona, but I did have the flu. And I get, I, I have this for about two weeks. Then I got two weeks and boom, it's fight time. You know, so my weight had shot up. It had gotten very, very low when I was sick. Then when I got unsick, my weight shot up. So it was like, it's always going to be bitter in my mouth because I, I feel on that day, I wasn't 100% what I could have given to that fight. And, and I can't take it away from him because he is a good wrestler. I need to be on point for the the type of fight that he brings. He's not a fighter. He's not mm -hmm. going to try to punch me in the face. He's not going to try to near elbow, but he is going to try to just hug it out literally and stalemate it and, and not fight. And for that, I had to be a little bit more prepared than I wasn't on that day. So it's always one that, uh, that maybe I'd come out of retirement just to bust his fucking face, you know? That was me. Because I, I wanted you to win that fight. Me too, man. Me when, too. Explain to me. I know it's all different times, you know, but it's such a foreign thing. Explain to me you're going... The end of the fourth round, you're in a, a war. You're you're fighting. Explain the mentality of you as a fighter. Are you in pain? Can you hear the crowd? Are you thinking just tactical? Like what's going on in between those rounds when you know, like I'm in a fight. This guy yeah. is no joke. I'm no joke, and we're giving everything we we hear. Like, where's your your head at at that point? And like, is are you feeling pain or is it varies? It, it varies so let me say how to a way I could describe the pain like it, let's say I throw a kick and you checked it right maybe at the time it hurt a little bit and then throughout the fight it stays with me but it's just the way that I see it it's like something will be it's not that I can't walk or nothing like that because at that time you're so focused you've had these two three hours you you've had the eight weeks to prepare and then three hours backstage just going through every scenario in your head, you're ready to go through any scenario. Now, th there's definitely pain like, oh, he checked that kick. I could feel my my bone like throbbing or whatever, but it's not going to stop me from like throwing it. The adrenaline you know? is that. The adrenaline is pumping. Crowd is cheering. You know, they're, they're cheering so loud you can't hear your corner until you go in the break. You can't hear in between the round because they're so loud. I can't hear anything that my corner man is saying. Then when I sit down, it's really about 45 seconds. I'll have to give instructions because we get a minute. But you can't be late, so they blow the whistle like at 30 seconds, you got to get out of there. So th those instructions are like very small. And, and to me personally, what really mattered was how tired I was because then I could like process that, the information. So if I was tired, it was more of an emotional thing. My coach would be like, suck it up. We got to win. You're better than this guy. Suck it up. Let's go. And if it was a technical thing, then they, they'd talk to me about like a technical thing. But me personally, I always noticed the more prepared I was for that moment, which is something that's always in, in your capacity. The only thing that you could really do in a fight is be in shape and be in the best shape possible because that's in your hands, right? 
that if you ran those miles and did the jump roping and swimming and all that, that's in your hands. That's in your control. So that's something always that I would try to be under control. And the more that I was in shape, the more that I could solve this math problem. You know, people are screaming. I can barely hear my coach. This guy's landing a couple shots, but breathe, settle down. It's a fight. It's what I love to do. And what are the instructions? Okay, let me try and do that now in round five, things like that. How much instruction? I mean, you've, you've done everything. You backyard fought, you sparred, you boxed, you MMA'd, you fucking, you've won, you've lost. You know, how much instruction can actually help somebody at your level or at the championship level? And like, what would you mean, like by instruction that would actually register in between round three and four that would you'd be able to process? Oh, me personally, again, going back to, I've worked in a lot of corners, depending on how tired the guys is, how much instruction, if the guy's like... Can't get it together. You want to be simple things like, hey, he keeps hitting on the left-hand side because your left hand's down. Keep your left hand up. Stay on the phone on this side. Stay on the phone. You know, like simple things like that. If the guy's like more, he's, he has a good gas tank and he can tell everything that you're talking about, maybe you go back into the strategy. But even at this level or at the lowest levels, it's tremendous, you know, because it, it's a fight and in a split second it can change. You know, let's say I, I hit you to the body a couple of times. So now you have this like tendency where you're like trying to block this body shot. Now I'll be like, Hey, in the start of the next round, go hard to the body and then go hard to the face, you know? And that might be the winning combination right there. Um, same thing in the grappling department. The guy might be getting a lot of takedowns, but the way he's doing it, he's leaving his neck out and the coach tells him, guillotine. The next time he goes for the, the double leg, give it all you got. And you're registering all this you're shit. You're registering And obviously whether you could do it or not is... It's something else. But usually what I always see is the guys that are in better shape, the guys that are like... Okay, I'm not overwhelmed by this environment. I'm sitting down. It's another day in the gym. What are the instruction coaches? Those are the ones that could usually do better with that information. I am Rappaport Podcast. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Kalshi. Maybe you thought uh, on the future of TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album win album of the year? Will Biden's approval rating go up? Will it go down or inflation? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. You're smart. You know things. Bet on it. $20 bonus if you go to Kalshi.com slash stereo. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. Kalshi.com slash stereo. Get in the game. There is no guarantee of performance. An investor could lose their entire investment. Investment fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at Kalshi.com. Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
all these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm asking you this with respect because I'm just such a fan of boxing, such a fan of, of what you guys do. When you get knocked out, the Usman punch. I mean, that was a brutal fucker. Yeah. And it was so quick. Yeah. And I thought he was going for a takedown. That's what really got me off guard. I didn't think he was going for, for a punch. You know, and why were you thinking that? Because the way he moved? The, the way. So it's the positioning of, of his level change and his head. So I'll show you real quick on camera. You shoot and you go like this and I go for the legs. So he does. He did that over and over in the first fight and in the first round of the second fight. And then he does it again. He goes like this. But this time he comes up. And you went down. Yeah. And I... My, and it's immediate, happening. my immediate reaction is, oh, he's going for a takedown. Then I start to see, no, he's not going for a takedown. He's punching. So I start to punch with him to counter that punch. And it was already too, too close, you know, by the time I made that decision. And when you come through, are you cognizant of where you are? What happened? Do you realize what you just showed me just now? Yes. No, no at the time, I didn't know all that. At the time, when I first get woken up, I'm looking around, I'm like, what did I win was the first thing I said. And they go, no, no, you didn't. You look at the screen, my coaches are telling me. And I look and real life hits you like, oh shit, I've never been knocked out, that's me. Limp <laughs> on the fucking floor. And are you thinking what you're seeing on the screen is like almost like a movie? Yeah, it, well, it feels like that 100%. Like I just woke up it's in like a hospital It's like you're just watching somebody. And, yeah, it, like I'm in the hospital watching TV or something, you know? Because the, the feeling is so weird and what's going on and people are cheating. It, that took about a minute and then it's like, yeah, this is real life, you know? And I have, uh, I got lucky that I got submitted like 15 years ago. I was winning all three rounds, a minute and a half to go. I get submitted with a choke that ended up being... Um, Choke of the year, something crazy. He got submission of the year, Toby Umada. And that was like the same feeling. The referee woke me up and I was winning the whole fight. So I said, did I win? They're like, no, man, you got, you got choked up, put to sleep. And that was like, that first time it happened, it was so overwhelming that it only helped me out for the second one. Because when it happened the second time, I was like, all right, I know what's going on here. Do you, is it, because you're a tough motherfucker. You're a prideful motherfucker. Are you processing a loss? Is it going through your pride or is it just like it's happened to all of us? Everyone's lost. Muhammad Ali. Combination. I mean, first and foremost, it hits a pride tank right away, right? Like all these miles around, all the dieting I did, all the year. And to this guy, I got knocked out by it. You know, you, you're dealing with that. And then uh, you got to also analyze like, but, but why? What did I do? I did a technical mistake. Okay, cool. You got me, you know? Do you dream of fighting? Always. Give me, give me some that you remember. 
Um, good, bad, weird. I'm sure it's like you know, it's like ballet fighting. Like what? What is? What are your dreams of fighting that you could that you remember? Here's something that I always uh, did in fighting, and, and and I do it in life. Like let's say if I have a meeting or something, I'll go. I'll fall asleep like thinking about what I'm gonna do in the fight or what I'm gonna do the next day as far as like working out goes or whatever. But I've always done that like. Uh, you know, for let's say like Nate Diaz, I going into that fight, I envisioned I went to sleep dreaming, thinking that I would kick him to the body and I would drop him. And it happened just like that. And, and it's something that I, in my brain, when I saw him fight, I go, oh, he's made for this technique right here that, that I actually do very well. So it's something that I would constantly see. And right before I go to sleep, I'm like, I'm thinking of all the setups I could do. So just land that kick, you know? So I was like, oh, a pretty cool feeling when it happens in real life. I was at that fight. Yeah, I was, like, oh, I was in New York. Do you think if the fight had kept going, I was rooting for Nate, and I'll tell you why, and I would go to our last thing, because I love both of you guys, but I had to make an executive decision, because your guy was at that fight. Uh, Trump, <laughs> and he was there for me. <laughs> I fucking know that. That, But that fight, obviously you're going to say no. If it had kept going, were you, how tired were you? Was it, the, it stopped in the third? I mean, he was. No, no, I was, I was, you know. I, I think they get clips of, like, my hands being over my head. Like, I do that every fight at a certain point. I'm just bringing my hands up so I get, like, more oxygen, just air, breathe, stretch out, you know. I've never – I've done numerous five-round fights. I've never, like, let off the gas pedal. If strategy-wise a guy beat me, okay, you know, he was able to take me down and control me, but I, I'm not going to get tired in my wheelhouse, and my wheelhouse is striking. It, it's never happened. I've given guys beatings for five rounds, for three rounds. I've never gotten tired from giving out the ass open. Maybe I haven't had my best performances when it's like a good, strong grappler that's putting me on the defense the whole time, and I might get tired in that department. But me throwing hammers, it's its not going to happen, you know, especially somebody that took so much damage. I always, for the life of me, wish they would have let it go because I would have gave him the proper barrier that he needed, you know. I, I had done a lot of work to the body, starting from the first round, second round, and third, and that only catches up to you. So let's say that I came in with, a like if it was a video game, a stamina bar of 80%, and Nate Diaz came in with a, one of 100%. By the time we get to the third round, he's like at 40% do because you, of the body shots. Do you, it seemed like you guys both, I mean, Nate's just, you guys are so similar in terms of like, it's like, you, you burial. Like, he's not going, his fucking yeah. eyes hanging yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, he's going for it. He's going for it every time. Did you enjoy that fight, like, do you do enjoy? Oh, like, you do you respect Nate Diaz? Yeah, yeah, I respect him a fucking ton, bro. I we've been different promotions, but like right there, very close to each other, our, our whole careers, you know. How do you process that? Is it like you know the Lakers versus the Golden State Warriors? Because if me and you go play basketball, <laughs> are you gonna take it easy on me? Fuck no, I'm gonna bust your ass, Jorge. How, how many are you gonna put? I'm going to give you like 30, 35 maybe. It's the same thing in my sport. I'm going to fucking put as many points as I can in your face. There's no real feelings involved in it, you know? Because does Cause that make gonna sense? Because he's going to do it too. Not just that, but this is what we've done our whole life. So if it's like, uh, you know, I always, when I came into the sport, I uh, I didn't have like no friends like that. And when I made all these friends, it's like, I don't want to fight my friends. But at the same time, I didn't get into the sport to have friends. So it's like, I'm fighting everybody, you know? And and that's how it is. In a football game, they're going to try to put 50 right. points on your face. I have to knock you out to separate myself from the pack to mm -hmm. show everybody, man, I am who I say I am, you know? So I, I have no remorse from fucking busting somebody's face up, you know? Right. That's what we all it, signed up for. It's you're, just you're in that, that mode. It's what we all signed up for. And there's so much repetition and, and practicing that that you don't even think about it. You just I'm just doing what my coaches and me have been doing for all this time and just going out there and executing these moves.
Because that was like, that night was a trip because number one was in the garden. Number two, garden. Trump was there, which was bugged out. Number three, they put me on the other side because they knew Trump was going to be there because I don't fuck with Trump. I know. And and number four, I mean. Do you Nate, like Biden? No. Dude, I mean, me and you would do better. Why don't, yo, Mazdaval, Rappaport on the 24. 20, yeah, we're, 22, both, we're both sides of the spectrum, bro. Well, it would be awesome. We get some funding. We get a couple. We'll go on tour. You'll get me in shape. We'll talk shit. If I got to kick a little ass, I'll kick a little ass. You're going to have to kick a lot of ass. I'll kick a little ass. But that was a crazy night because I was like, Nate's like, it's like a scary movie. It's like, yo, your eye is hanging off. Yeah. It was wild. And And the Derek Lewis fight that night, like it was, the whole thing was, I think he fought that night. Yes. Did he fight? Yes. I think he fought. But it was, a, you know, and The Rock was there. It was a, it was a wild Robert, night. Roberto Duran, my favorite boxer, walked me out. Who was it? Roberto oh, Duran. Oh, Robert right. Duran. It was, and it's The Garden. Yes, yeah, The Garden, man. He won uh, his title against Iran Barkley there as well. That's a fighter who I, I mean, this is a guy. And I used to, I He's remember. He's from New York, right? Barkley? Yeah. And I yeah. used to see, you know, his, his cousin is uh, Saquon Barkley, the football player. Uh-huh. But I used to see Iran Barkley after he retired, you know, at clubs. You know, just like with a hoodie. And I'd be like, yo, it's fucking Iron Barkley, because that was a fighter. Yeah, yeah. Um, Speed, power, aggressive. Tough. Yeah, I remember. All right, let's, there are my final thing, because I think you tweeted at me once, Trump, where are you at with Trump? Where are you, like, I didn't give a fuck about politics, and I'm assuming you didn't give a fuck about politics before the Trump administration. No, I'll, I'll explain to you my thing on the politics. Um, So my, both my parents, my dad escaped from Cuba when he was like 15 years old. He got a tire tractor. Him and his best friend, his best friend's uncle, they turned it into a raft. They took off. Seven days later, they got to the Bahamas. From the Bahamas, he got extradited to uh, Miami, to the projects over there, and and eventually began his life. You know, my mom um, was also in Peru during a bad, bad time during the socialism, and there was a lot of terrorism going on because other organizations were gonna take it over. So it, it wasn't that I was so much engraved in politics and stuff, but it was just something that was so common in my household since a young age from kind of both sides of the family, but more so the Cuban conservative side, you know? Um, like just hearing all these horror stories when when I'm a kid and I'm like, yeah, but you know, you're exaggerating this or that. And they're like, no, 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 we, we seriously, we only got two eggs mm. for the whole family for the month and, and that was it. And that was what the government w- would give you, you know? My other aunt, um, so Guantanamo made the base and here's the state of Cuba, whatever. They have this, strip of land filled with mines, right? So all the, ima- imagine the U.S. did that, like put a bunch of mines from here to Canada so we wouldn't escape, you know? That's crazy. And uh, my aunt crossed this field and in crossing this field, her titty blew up because she hit a mine. So she's now known in the family as Biggie Smalls, but she is still alive. And th- these are the people that I grew up with, you know? So I, mm-hmm. I heard this throughout my whole freaking life of why this system of oppression is the fucking worst. And if you ever see it, you have to fight for it because this is literally the greatest country. I, I, I know people have a lot of feelings about this, but I've been all over the world. To me, this is a place like me, a fucking immigrant fuck that didn't have anything could be a multimillionaire and take care of my children and their children, you know? So I, I love this country, man. Um, that's where I'm at really like with the politics, you know, that I just feel that this is the best country. And I don't want to see the, the laws implicated in Mexico or Venezuela or Cuba, any of those places here. You know, I want this to be America, you know. 
We could go down the, the Trump. And I had a feeling like your your stuff is, you know, like on social media and also the stuff we sort of, you know, lean into and there's fan bases and all that shit. You know, it kind of gets blown up with it. I just want to ask you, last question. Your five favorite boxers of all time. Your five favorite boxers of all time. Roberto Duran, Muhammad Ali. I love Sugar Ray Leonard. I love Sugar Ray Robinson, um, Salvador Sanchez, Pernell Whitaker. Oh my gosh, bro! I used to freaking just watch him for tapes and tapes. Like, how does this guy do that? He's just standing in front of you and you can't touch him. Aaron Pryor. Mm, he was um, a motherfucker. Oh my gosh, that dude. That's was a it. Beast, that's bro. A, to me. That's a, your wheelhouse and shit too. Oh like, I look God. at you like as an Aaron Pryor type. Uh, super athlete that was super fucking mean. Um, mean. Well, the Nicaraguan guy that lost him, what's his name? Uh, Aguayo? Aguayo, Alexis Aguayo. Well, he did the, freaking, this, like, yeah, he was. Another freaking animal. There, there's so many guys, man. Um, Those are your guys. Yeah, the, uh, Evander Holyfield, big Holyfield big fan. Animal too. Big Tito Trinidad. Oscar De La Hoya had his freaking time. Right? Did you watch kinda... the Oscar De La Hoya doc on HBO? No, no, the new one? You have to watch it. Okay. You, you're gonna... No, all the boxer documentaries, I always watch them. You, you, it's two parts. It's excellent. And oh, there's a couple of parts it. you're going to be like, literally go, oh, it. shit. Because Oscar, he, the whole thing is about his whole life. Oscar's whole thing is bullshit. And that's why he made the documentary. And I'm not, he talks about that. You're going to watch him be like, oh, shit. Watching but you're going to love it as a fighter. I'm going to watch it tonight. It's really good. It's two parts. Watching it. Your five favorite MMA fighters. Um, one, this guy always inspired me. And uh, the UFC at one point had, had gotten rid of my weight class, 155 pounds. They had just dissembled. They said, oh, it's not making enough headlines, whatever. They dissembled it. So uh, for a large time, like um, guys like me, like my size, didn't have like a good, good place to go to. And um, there was a little guy that was going all over the world kicking everybody's ass. And his name was BJ Penn. You know, he's not that little, but BJ Penn was like one of my fucking all-time favorite fighters. He could strike. He was a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion that didn't care to use it. He would strike and want to knock guys out. And if he went to the ground, he tried to submit you. So he was... He was always like that same spirit that I embody. Like, it's a fight, man. I'm trying to finish you, you know? So BJ Penn's definitely one of my favorite ones. Um, love Chuck Liddell. Uh, Mighty Mouse. John Jones is so fucking just ahead of the curve on so many levels. Love that fucking guy, too. Um, there's so many, though. In MMA, it's always interchangeable. That like, God, there's so many guys that are fucking... I, I like Robert Whittaker a lot. Israel, the Asensanya. I always mess up his name. Sorry, Izzy. There's a lot of dudes. GSP is a fucking beast. Habib. So Habib is no joke. Habib. Dominic Cruz. I was always a big Dominic Cruz fan because of the head movement, the speed, the angles, the way that he fought. Like, every coach advised against that. Like, there's not a coach ever that's looked at his video and said, yeah, this is the way. And he would do it and put it off and beat the world's best back-to-back -back by doing it his own way. Henry Cejudo, another one, huge fan of his style. All right, going for hours. <laughs> um, who's going to win the John Jones... Um, Stipe? Yes. Okay, me and... So let's say this. You can't bet against John Jones, right? But I think the toughest fight ever he's going to have is going to be Miotovic. He's naturally a bigger guy, and he can wrestle. And he's going to be able to wrestle back into John Jones. John Jones' hands are not the best. Stipe has good hands. But then again, it is John Jones we're talking about. He could elbow, he could knee, he could do the craziest takedowns from he out of nowhere. He crazy shit. And then when it hits the ground, he's just a, a 
problem they get this guy. He must weigh more than a building because he nobody gets away from him when he gets him down. When he wants to hold somebody and beat him down, you know. So I I think it's gonna be John's biggest test to tell you the truth. And if John could walk through him, I mean, bro, that's scary. And also for for Stipe, if he wins biggest fight of his fucking life, I mean, and it's in the garden. Holy smokes! So the UFC heavyweight champ. Yeah, I think I'll be there for that one for sure. I'll the be garden. there. For, I'll be there too. Okay, let's go, man. Jorge Masvidal. September eighth. It's gonna be a. Is, is it okay to say a bloodbath? Oh, it's gonna be a. If you're near ringside, bring your fucking umbrella, bro. It's gonna be get bloody, bro. The from start to finish, like that's the thing about bare knuckle. Yeah, we have JDS versus Redoom, but like any one of these fights just becomes so entertaining when you don't know how it could end, and it could end at any moment, you know? If you're not doing anything, September 8th, Jacksonville. I, I might I might be at that. Okay, you let us know. I man. might be at that because my, my mother-in-law lives in Jacksonville. I would love to come down. And if you ever need, like, as a promoter, are you able to shit talk or do you have to stay neutral? Because if you ever need, like, a shit talker to, like, sort of... I, I really seriously want to do Let's that. Let's go. Let's but go. But I just don't want... Any ramifications? No, no ramifications. So I w I'll stir it up, but then I go, okay, it's just playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. We're just playing. Done. I'm gonna put I'm, my bodyguards are a little bigger than him, so they'll take care of you a little better than him, and you yeah, talk all the shit you because, want. Because as a promoter, are you allowed to talk shit, or you have to remain definitely, neutral? Definitely allowed to talk shit. But if I if I book two guys to fight each other, right, and I'm leaning towards one more, I I just you know you have if, to keep it, it down the know, middle. Got to keep it down the middle, knowing that it's gonna be a great fight. Obviously, I'm a human being. In the back of my mind, I'm always like, oh, I think this guy and in this department's a little better. This guy's better in this department. Let's see what happens. But um, you always just got to say, like, neutral because I'm promoting the fight, you know? But I would say this, Jorge, because in remaining neutral, you should, again, remaining neutral, you should let your inner Vince McMahon push the, the business because yes, you're sir. a good shit talker. Thank you, brother. And, you're, you're, you know, people like you for that, and you back it up. And, and you know, without being favored to another fighter, just for the business— to keep doing that, you know, like do your thing because I think it'll help the business. Well, in this one coming up between Verdum and uh, JDS, I do the math every day. I talk to my good friend and partner every day, and we talk like, who do you got today? And every day, like switches. So, on this one in particular, it's not even the promoter me. It's I'm really like, fuck, I I could see this going both ways. You know, I might come on the eighth. Bro, that would be we sick. We got you. We got, and you can stir up all the pots you want, bro. No ramifications. No ramifications, bro. What is it called when the politicians can do whatever they want? Uh, impunity? Impunity. Uh, impunity, brother. I Don't need diplomatic impunity. Diplomatic I need game bread. Granted. I need game bread, uh, bare knuckle you're, impunity. You're talking to the supreme leader of game bread international. We got you, man. Okay. I just want to make sure that that's on board the whole time. I appreciate the time. God bless, brother. Awesome. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Kalshi. Maybe you thought uh, on the future of TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album win album of the year? Will Biden's approval rating go up? Will it go down? Or inflation? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. You're smart. You know things. Bet on it. $20 bonus if you go to Kalshi.com slash stereo. Spelled K-A-L. S-H-I and deposit $50. Kalshi.com slash 
Stereo, get in the game. There is no guarantee of performance. An investor could lose their entire investment. Investment fees, iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at Kalshi.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.